is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Our guest today is an expert in something that you need. I don't care what business you're in or even what you're doing almost. You need to know some of these things that he's going to share with us today. And ultimately, it's relationships, right? It's the relationship management piece. and But how that is leading to more deals and more capital in their business. And he, he just shares some some great tips on how they are doing that and some actionable steps. His name is Jack Martin. He's the co-founder of 5210, an Arizona real estate investment firm focused on mobile home parks. And his real estate journey spans thousands of properties across several asset classes. Jack and his partner established 5210 with core values that align with their own Midwestern values and conservative approach. Uh, But you're going to hear so many things from him today. Yes, lives in Arizona with their seven children, which you'll also hear a little bit also about. But I was so impressed with Jack and his focus on the relationship, but not only just with investors, but also with sellers uh, as well. And what that has done for their business, uh, you're going to find more deals if you just do some of these things that he mentions today. You're also going to be able to raise more money, more capital, and have better relationships with your investors. You're going to serve them better if you do some of the things, even one of the things he mentions today. Yeah. Give us one or two hard things that you do to manage those relationships so well, you know, with your investors. Maybe it's the ways you follow up or how often or I don't know, how you get creative with just growing that relationship and keeping it going consistently. I think without question, the most important part of this business, and this is post-investment, um, but you could say that those who are watching you from afar are have an awareness of this. If you commit to reporting and distributing distributing cash flow on a specific date, make sure you're on time. If you can consistently report every 90 days, we do it on a quarterly basis, and you can distribute their cash flow um, on the calendar uh, as you've agreed to, that speaks volumes for you. And you know, a lot of these investors are dipping a toe into the water and they say, well, I like everything I hear. I love the the investment thesis. I like the yields. I'm comfortable with the risk. Let's see how these guys do. Let's give them let's give them a year. Let's see how they do. And then once they see, okay, now these guys are are exactly who they said they were, and they do exactly what they said they'll do. Um, now they're willing to drop in way more money than you thought they had. So I think without question, the most important thing is, and I believe that that needs to be designed prior to you starting to buy deals. It's almost like, hey, we're going to make, we're going to get on the racetrack and we're going to race. And we're not thinking about tires or suspension. We just have a car. And now in the middle of the race, you can't stop and build suspension. It's too late. You're racing. So I think that you see... um, commonly in real estate guys are good at real estate and they're so excited about the deal that they forget to architect a, a very sound communication plan with calendar events and like what leads up to that calendar event like how can we be certain that we're going to report on time like when do the books need to be done at every single property on what date so that we can meet these objectives same thing goes for taxes i think the greatest pain point and particularly when you start to attract investment capital through 
groups or through um, wealth management advisors and those kind of groups, the first question they ask is, hey, when did you deliver your K-1s to your investors last year? And if it doesn't begin with March, then uh, they're probably going to look for somebody else. So how can you architect um, this? This is all, uh, this doesn't seem like it's investor relations, but this is a lot of what makes up their experience. So in my view, it's my my goal to create the best investment experience that an investor could have in this asset class. That means he's going to have access to me. Accessibility is really important. So if I'm the one who worked with him as he invested, you know the the expectation is if I have questions in the future, they still have access to me. That cannot go away. Can't just be punted down to some low level assistant who can't answer questions. Um, so that's really important. Um, but the the expectation of getting uh, of having the outcome be exactly what was promised on every every scope. And here's an interesting one: if things don't go as planned. How transparent are you? So uh, everybody that has been investing long enough has experienced, I invested with this guy, he promised this, and then this didn't show up, and I couldn't hear from them, and I didn't hear a word from them. What's the first thing that happens in the investor's mindset? They're worried. Now they can't sleep. That's right. So instead, if there's... You know, let's say that um, you had more, you had, you had a hiccup in the first six months of this asset that you didn't ex- anticipate. And you're not going to be able to distribute until Q3 instead of, you know, out of the gate. Well, share that with your investors. Just come right out and share it. Be transparent. I think that you'll gain more respect from being honest and transparent than you ever would from trying to pretend like nothing happened and hope they'll ignore it. It, it will only bite you later. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's easier to get it out there. I agree. It's, it's, I think there's a common fear of disappointing investors. Um, But the truth is, you know, if we're, if we're guilty of one thing, we over communicate. Nobody's gotten mad about our over communication. So what's we your, have a, a what's your frequency of communicating and uh, we're, we're running a long time, but give us just a maybe a quick description of what you all communicate or what's your you know what, what do you put in an update you know for investors and you know what do you make sure is in there? Yes, we have a, a weekly cadence of communication by email. Um, and when we're acquiring a property, a lot of it will have to do about the acquisition or when we're selling a property, a lot will have to do about that. But otherwise, it's industry news. It's, um, hey, we just hired this new person and we're excited about this. So it's a, it's a lot of just helping them stay with their finger on the pulse of the industry that we're in and the business that we're in. On a quarterly basis, every 90 days, um, we use a fund administrator. So you know we're not doing the accounting and the dis- uh, distributions and the return of capital and all of the management of capital and the compliance and regulatory things associated with that. So we have a third neutral third party that does all that it's it's kind of nice because it adds a layer of transparency. That would be nice. Yeah. So so, but they they deliver P and Ls and balance sheets and member statements, you know, specific to the investment itself. But we deliver on a, on a on the same cadence every ninety days an update on the progress of the properties and how does that um, progress at at the property level um, translate to progress on the investment. 
management level. So we deliver a more kind of look inside the business. Hey guys, here's how we're doing on these properties. Here's what it looked like when we bought it. Here's our goal. Here's where we're at. So we do that kind of a of, of an update. And then inside of that report, if there's anything that's unique specific to tax time or, um, you know, like during COVID, we were sharing with them our COVID relief plan and all these little interesting things. But those things happen on every 90-day basis. But we're constantly uh, in front of our investors. So they, it's not it's not overwhelming. It's just an email once a week that allows them to get a, a appreciation for, hey, what's new at 5210? Yeah, no, I love that. Uh, I, uh, yeah, love that. We we battle between what's too much, what's not enough, <laughs> you know, to say in front of our investors. That um, We're going to move to a few final questions, Jack. I would love to get your at least quick thoughts on... What do you expect to happen? Uh, you know, it's what everybody's asking, right? What do you expect to happen in the next six, eight, 10, 12 months? Uh, because I, what I say is, you know, people say, well, I don't have a crystal ball. Well, yeah, but we still believe something because that, and that affects what we do now, right? That affects, are we buying? Are we selling? What are we willing to pay? All those things because of what we believe is going to happen. Um, and how, you know, what do you all believe is going to happen in the next six, 12 months? And how is that affecting, you know, what you all are doing? Yes, yeah, so I think that we'll continue to purchase mobile home parks because uh, we believe that they will survive any market volatility out there. You know, especially when mobile home parks are managed correctly, um, there's really not much that can shake them. So interest rates haven't shaken them. And we're selling homes at a faster pace to a higher quality resident today than we were prior when interest rates were 3%. So um, COVID didn't shake us, you know, we're, so, so at least from that perspective, mobile home parks are kind of unique. Um, but our view is that the, from, a, from an investment perspective, the greatest challenge that exists in this environment is the interest rate environment, the, the changes in interest rates. So at some point, you know, from a macro perspective, and I'm a, a little bit of a, uh, a nerd around what the Fed's up to and kind of bigger picture in this world, at some point, the impact of that aggressive interest rate um, move will have an impact on the economy. It'll have the Im an impact on unemployment. And when that occurs, then the Fed will pivot to um, solving for that. Now, usually that means loosening mo monetary policy, um, likely interest rates will come down. Um, so I think that this is a... a a spot in the middle of the pendulum swing. You know, right now we're way on one end of the spectrum and it will come back and it will go the other way. So if you look at history, history tends to repeat itself because human nature does. So I believe that you're going to see um, that pendulum swing again. I think potentially this current market could be where there's an opportunity to acquire assets at a discount um, if you can purchase them and, and put appropriate debt on them. So fast forward, you know, if a deal works today at six and a half percent interest rate, fast forward when you can refinance at four, for example, um, don't purchase it with the requirement of a refinance. But if that shows up, that's going to be gravy. So and the yield will will just get better. So uh, I think that there's, I mean, there, if you look at the political environment, it wouldn't surprise me that you know we have an election next year and. Um, the current administration is going to want to take credit for the economy being great. So I'm sure there will be some pressure put on the Fed, um, help us make the economy um, get fired up again. 
so, so who knows? I mean, there's all these potential um, catalysts that could create that. But I think if the, the most important lesson that you can learn about real estate is to go study history. History repeats itself. So what's happened before will happen again. And it'll be a different catalyst this time. The next market top in correction will not be because of subprime debt. There'll be something else that creates it. But what you can be assured is that human behavior will repeat itself. So we will have another correction. So at, at both the same time that we're optimistic, that we feel like there's more legs left in this um, real estate cycle, we also have an awareness that it will come to an end at some point. So position yourself so that you can either weather that storm, and that's why we love mobile home parks, or um, be smart enough to recognize that when it's getting to that, that point, maybe you should exit some of your assets. Mm. What are the some of the most important metrics that you track? Could be personally or professionally. You know, there's a book out there, and this will be great for your audience. Uh, it's written by a guy named Philip J. Anderson. It's called The Secret Life of Real Estate and Banking. In my opinion, that's the best book written on market cycles that's ever been written. Say the name and again. Philip J. Secret, Anderson. Philip J. Anderson, The Secret Lives of Real Estate and Banking. And it goes into the relationship between real estate and money. It also um, touches on corruption, greed, political um, influence, all of those things. And it goes back several centuries. And the, the accuracy of real estate cycles is, is surprising how accurate they are or how repeatable they are. Um, if you're in real estate and you haven't read that book, uh, that's probably the greatest gift from this podcast. Sh- it's 35 bucks on Amazon. You got to go read that book. Yeah. Well, so I, I won't steal the, the, the narrative from that book, but I think uh, the highlights of it is that there's a very repeatable um, uh, human behavior that causes cycles to occur. So we pay attention to a handful of things, and I'll, I'll highlight a few of them. What's the price of land in a, in a neighborhood that you know well? And I'm talking about not subdivisions, but like, you know, an individual acre of land um, compared to what the peak of the cycle was last time. Every single time, the value of a piece of dirt is significantly higher than it was at the last peak. So pay attention to, to land. You can't pay attention to home prices because the cost of labor and materials um, goes up with appreciation. So the only comparable apples and apples thing is the land. The second thing I think is important to pay attention to is condo conversions. When it no longer makes sense to purchase apartments for investment and you see rampant um, apartments being purchased and converted to condos because it's the only way to make a profit, um, start sharpening your for sale sign pencil. You should probably sell into that, that heat. So there's a few other things that that book will will share, but the those are some of the things that we pay, pay attention to on a regular basis. What are some daily habits that you are disciplined about that have produced the highest return for you? You know, uh, highest return has has changed. I'll be 50 this year. In my in uh, 10 years ago, highest return to me was about money. Today, highest return to me is about joy. Joy comes from the relationships in your life. 
it includes the relationships with investors and co-workers and the residents that you serve, but it also includes your marriage and your children and your friendships. So the, the daily practices that have given me the highest return of joy is my daily lap with the Lord. It's, uh, it, has, it has profoundly changed my view of work. And I realized, I used to think that everything great that came into my life was because of me. Mm. Good job, Jack. You did a great job. And then I've learned that everything that's good that's come into my life is because of things that have been given to me. Mm-hmm. And so I live a, a life with more gratitude. Um, it allows me to, to see miracles, even small ones, every day. And uh, little little sips of joy all day long. It's, uh, you don't need to go on a vacation to get that every day. You can get it every day. Love that. I, I, that's a, an amazing habit, uh, or that you would even say that is a habit because it it's incredible. I would agree completely. Uh, yeah, with our time with the Lord first thing in the morning. That's, yeah, no doubt about Best it. Best way to start your day. Best Appreciate way to you start. sharing that. And, and what about, uh, how do you like to give back? Well, I love education um, around real estate, but I have a, another thing that's kind of interesting that's become a, a little bit of a passion project for me. Um, because I'm a man who got married young and I screwed it up and I'm thankful that my wife didn't leave me when I was not a great husband. Um, I spent the next 20 years solving for that. And my wife and I began taking marriage retreats about four years ago. Um, and it has 10 X our marriage to the degree where I hope everybody can get a taste of a marriage that's good. So we began teaching others how to do marriage retreats. And now we're going to write a book about it this year. So it's, uh, it's, not, it's not part of real estate, but who I show, how I show up at, at work has a lot to do with how it is at home. So I would argue that it is about real estate. Um, but yeah, that's uh, giving back to me is teaching others, um, sharing the, the, the experiences and the lessons and the wisdom that I've been given so that hopefully they could avoid the pain that I endured. Wow, love that! I appreciate you sharing that. I, I, it's, that's incredible. I, uh, I'm, I'm every day. I feel like I'm blown away. Uh, just uh, the uh, at my marriage and what the how the Lord has blessed it. You know, in in uh, man, because I speak to so many people who are struggling, right? You know, in their marriage, and and uh, some have been married for many years, some not so many, and so it just leads me to being so thankful, right, for what the Lord has done, and and because I don't deserve it. <laughs> I don't deserve it, right? Uh, but uh, man, I, I'm, I'm so blown away. Uh, but I am I'm grateful for you bringing that up because it, it is it does play such a role in our business, right? How how I'm doing at home in my marriage, man, it greatly affects how I'm doing in my business, right? Or how I come to work every day, and how I you know treat our employees, or even how I treat my children. Or uh, so, man, just hats off to you and your wife, Jack, to that focus on on the marriage and helping others. Now, uh, you know, uh, it, it's we we just assume it's going to be great, right? Before you get married, you just think it's just going to be amazing, <laughs> right? Well, you know, it's interesting and, and ironic about this <laughs> is I go back and I, I'm sure most entrepreneurs have the same perspective. I go back to when I started entrepreneurship in the beginning. What was the primary reason for that? I wanted my wife to have 
an amazing life. I did it for her. And I did it for our children. I want our children to have something that I didn't have growing up. And, um, and then you spend so much energy at work and that becomes, you become a master or a slave to the business. And what ends up happening is you ignore the things that matter the most. So without question, when you look at the big picture, if I could choose an amazing marriage over an amazing business, I would choose the marriage. 100%. I would choose the marriage. But if you can have both, um, pursue both. But just make sure that you focus on the marriage. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Jack, I'm grateful to have gotten to know you a little bit and had you on the show. I'm grateful for you sharing that. I feel like some of the, the most important piece of the whole show, of the whole interview is, is the importance of the marriage. And I mean, I just I could not agree with you more. Because uh, that that's going to affect the business, right? We all focus on business so much that we do neglect, right? Our, our our spouse and our children, the thing that we we say we're doing all of this for, right? And and I ask people often, well, are you? Are you really? You know, like you know, just think about this focus a little bit. But we could talk about it all day. I know it. But uh, Jack, grateful to have had you on the show. Tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you and Fifty Two Ten. You can learn all about me at 5210.com, and that's the number 52, and then 10 is spelled out. So it's 52ten.com. Everything you'll need, including ability to schedule and talk to me on my calendar, is on, on that website. So thank you so much for inviting me. I know we have other things that we share in common that um, I'd love to visit with you more on, but thank you so much for allowing me to share some of this experience with your listeners. Thank you for listening to The Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.